You know, Mike Vrabel is going to go coach the Chargers. He's going to make Keenan Allen sit on the bench because he can't block on special teams. Like, that kind of thing. I'm also excited to cover a team that's not doing that kind of thing. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, January the 19th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, I'm a little bit upset this afternoon because we are here on the internet and not at Boomba's Crap Pizza and Tap House. I was about to say the same exact thing. You know, it's a, it's a little, it's a little uh, disappointing not to be at my favorite uh, sports bar and restaurant tonight. They're having some really, just- really uh, good food and drink. But then again, I also did step out of my house earlier today um, because on days of uh, on this day of all days, I decided it was a good time to finally cancel my Planet Fitness membership that I haven't used in seven months, and I don't know why I thought that was a good <laughs> idea today. But uh, I almost we just not hit the gym in seven months, or are we hit no, a I different just, gym? I, I, I hit a different gym, and I just oh, well. I've been putting on the back. I've just fifteen dollars out donating, of my account, yeah, donating to Planet Fitness. I, right. I decided today of all days, where there is literally just like ice everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. And I almost fell like three times. I decided to cancel it today. So, yeah, yeah. unfortunately, um, just didn't want to. Do, it was going to be too dangerous, I think, to make the trip today, especially with the, the conditions conditions worsening. Yeah, no, it's uh, if if you're not in the Nashville area, it's uh, still slushy and icy from earlier this week, and then we've got like freezing rain coming through as we speak. So. Uh, I was talking to the guys at Boombas and they're like, we're probably going to close the store early anyways. And so I'm like, we'll just, we'll come next week. It's all good. Um, but uh, that does mean we don't get any of the, the phenomenal food and drink in it. And it means that next week I'm going to be jonesing for it by Tuesday afternoon at the very yeah. least. Like I'm, I'm probably going to want to find an excuse to go over to Boombas early, to be honest with you, and go get some of that food because it is so great. We are brought to you today, as we always are, by Boombas Craft Pizza and Tap House. I'm going to tell you more about them later in today's show. Got more of a relaxed one today because there's not a whole lot going on with the Titans. There's plenty going on with the NFL in the playoffs, and that's going to be the focus of today's conversation, primarily talking about this divisional weekend of playoffs we got coming up for big games, four games that I would say almost certainly will be better than the wildcard games because the wildcard games set the bar so, so low. Uh, and I think that we've got four really good games between eight really good teams. And so we're going to talk through our thoughts on that we're also absolutely willing to discuss anything on your mind regarding the titans today um probably coaching search thoughts coaching search takes i see Derek and tighten up tony already in the comments giving their thoughts on the titans coaching search which is underway we're going to give some updates on where they are with that some additional thoughts on uh, some guys really though, if you are interested in this show and our opinion on these coaches, our opinion on who the Titans should or shouldn't hire, go back one episode in the catalog, find the episode from Tuesday afternoon. We had our friend of the show, James Foster, no flags film, A to Z film room or two uh, pseudonyms. You might know him as Uh, he does a phenomenal job with all things, sports all things football and we have him on from time to time and this was a great opportunity for us to talk to him about what he sees in terms of x's and o's from these coordinators that are potential uh future tennessee titan head coaches 
what he thinks about them as head coach material. And, and we just went back and forth for about an hour and a half. It was a really, really great conversation. And so I recommend going and listening to that episode once you're done here today. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And then we've got the best bet gauntlet divisional round coming around the corner. We survived the wild card weekend. Uh, and by we, I mean, I, JT helped us. I, I, I picked a very bad time to have maybe my worst, I'd say, I would say my worst week of the year, which it's going to happen. You got to, you got to move on, but um, looking to make some money back this week. Best bet gauntlet. Certainly we built ourselves plenty of cushion to have a couple of bad weeks in there. And so the record remains relatively undinged and we move. So we're going to be placing our five best bets each for this weekend's games, all of that and more coming up in just a second. If you're with us live, Appreciate you being here. Do us a couple of favors. First of all, head on over to Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. That's Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Find this live stream. And that's where you're going to want to be a part of the conversation in the comment section on that video like Derek and Tighten Up Tony already are. And while you're there, hit subscribe. We see how many of you watch these shows, watch our content on that Broadway Sports Media YouTube page. And we're able to see via the analytics that a lot of you aren't subscribed, which is free. I don't know if you're aware you can do it for free. All it takes is one click of your finger. Um, and it's very helpful to us. And so I would really appreciate you doing that. And it also will help you get up to date notifications and alerts, uh, for when we are going live or when we have new content up on the website. So all of those good things, if you just hit that subscribe button, we would appreciate it. Okay. Um, JT, let's let's quickly go through some of the coaching search updates from this week. Since we last spoke, the the total number of preliminary Zoom interviews for Titans coaching candidates has increased. They have now finished more than half of the 10 requests that they've sent out that we know of. I, I, there's always a chance there are some more, but um, we know of 10 and they have completed six of those Zoom interviews. So they've got four to go. And we got one callback so far for an in-person interview um, that I forget, I think it's for next week or something scheduled in the near future, but, uh, they have now virtually interviewed giants, offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka Raiders, interim head coach, Antonio Pierce Ravens, defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, Cowboys, defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn and Panthers, offensive coordinator, Thomas Brown. They've also, um, virtually interviewed Bengals, offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan. And he is the first of, I'm assuming a handful of these guys who are, uh, going to be invited back for a second in-person interview um, coming up. He, you know, he, people are saying he's got the upper hand. Uh, you know, he's the leader in the clubhouse. I don't know if that's necessarily true. He was the first person to do the zoom interview and he's the first person to get a callback. I think that's just probably the, the nature of the process. And he's not going to be the only person that gets a callback. I'd imagine at least three or four of these guys do, if not most of them. Um, I, again, we talked about this on Tuesday. I don't really know what the nature of a zoom interview even is like for a head coach in the, like one of 32 positions, one of the most coveted jobs in, and most, in most uh, exclusive jobs in the world over zoom. I don't really know how much ground you can cover. Um, so I'd imagine they, if it was me running the interview process, I might cut like two names from this list via zoom and like bring most of them in. You've got unlimited money and you want to get the coaching search, right? So get, bring them in, talk to them. Um, so th that's probably going to be the case. JT, there's one guy that we didn't talk in depth about on Tuesday with James. Uh, he was the, I think, isn't he the most recent request? Wasn't he the last request that was made? He is. He, um, it's offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers, Thomas Brown, who 
Um, I think at this point now, four-ish, four and a half hours ago, it was reported that he completed his virtual interview with right. the Titans. And he's the one that uh, we asked James, and James really said he hadn't really gotten around to him because he is the newest candidate. Um, right. He also is the one with... Um, I would say not not the least experience, but his metrics, at least in in what he's done in the NFL, certainly from at least an offensive coordinator's perspective and also just in the league long term, it's not really as sufficient as some of the other candidates. Well, and we, we joked about this on Tuesday. So much of the media and public perception around these coaching hires is reductive to the point of being did this guy's side of the ball do well in 2023 yes or no if yes good coach if no bad coach um which like you understand and that's certainly a part of it you know if, if a, we, we talked about i've already forgotten his name brian johnson is that the eagles oc um yeah brian johnson is a guy that we've written off pretty much i mean you and i have at least because of the way that his offense didn't succeed this year because of the way that the actual X's and O's that he puts together on Sundays is limited, uh, to put it kindly. I'd also not a fan of Quinn in there as well. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, Micah Parsons merchant, Dan Quinn. So that's part of it, but, uh, there is so much more to it than that, right? There's the intangibles. There's the leadership ability. There's can you, or can you not make that leap from being a coordinator on one side of the ball? to being a leader of a ton of people, both players and coaches and operate the sidelines and handle clock management and game management and, and handle personalities and put together a, a coaching staff that is, is elite. Like there's a, there's so much more to it than that. Um, that being said, the reason why a lot of people are not talking really much about Thomas Brown is because that very reductive association for him is being associated with the offense on the worst team in the league. Um, one of the worst sides of the ball in the entire league. Uh, but, but as some folks who have white knighted for him a little bit, um, like our buddy, Zach Lyons, who makes some very good points in, in defending Thomas Brown as a legitimate candidate that should be given um, a, a real good look. It's not as simple as he was the OC for the Panthers. The Panthers offense was bad. Therefore, Thomas Brown is bad. He he did not. First of all, it wasn't his scheme. It was Frank Reich's scheme. It was Frank Reich's playbook. Thomas Brown was the one operating a lot of those things, but it was within the framework of Frank Reich's, uh, Frank Reich's offense. And so that's what makes determining whether or not you like his resume difficult, I guess, right. That, that he doesn't have a, you, you texted me this earlier where it's very much a, what would, what, what is it you say you would do here? Like, what is it? What exactly would you say you do here situation with Thomas Brown? Because he's both not a guy that has called plays and not a guy that's like known for scheming up things behind the scenes during the week. So what do you point to? And it, it's questionable, right? Like even to that point, how much of this poor Panther season do you really accredit him to? Because when you look at it, it really, it, it feels like he never had consistency in this Panthers offense because as you said, it was Frank Reich's scheme and um, Frank Reich was playing the Coles at the beginning of the season and then gave the calls, Thomas- Playing the Coles, was he? <laughs> <laughs> calling the, <laughs> calling plays, the plays, there we calling go. the plays early in the season, and then gave those duties to Thomas Brown before taking him right back. A few weeks back. 
it was like uh, one later. or two weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was very and strange. then once Frank Reich was um, was canned, he had the then play had calling that. duties uh, for the rest of the season. But still, it was very minimal uh, success on their end here. Two hundred and sixty five point uh, three yards per game or passing yards per game. A hundred and or sorry, yes, two hundred and sixty five point three total yards per game okay. uh 161.2 passing yards per game and second to last points per game with 13.9 however uh, are those he, stats specific to when he was coordinating or that's that for the entire season the whole year okay yeah but okay. i mean if you want to look at something that he did maybe well because once again we don't really know if it was frank reich or thomas brown um they did finish 20th which is a lot better than their like second last ranked uh spot in every other uh category, category. they um rushed for 104.1 yards per game, which was good for 20th in the league, which I think really just puts... Are you telling me that that passing game where you and I would be wide receiver like two? uh, It might be a little hard. Yeah, it might be a little hard to be productive there, but as Kyle points out here, he says, I would be much happier with Brown as offensive coordinator. He has a good pedigree. And I think that is fair to say because even though he is getting a head coaching interview here, he's also getting offensive coordinator uh, interviews in other places as well. He got one from Chicago earlier today. And I think that brings up a good point to say, well, the, the results aren't there, but let's look at where he's come from. And if you look at the history of Thomas Brown here, he comes from that Sean McVay tree, very much in the style of what Zach Taylor came from. Started with the team in 2020 for the Los Angeles Rams as the running backs coach. So we see that he did have some success this year already with running backs. It seems that that's something that is really his bread and butter. In 2021, the year they won the Super Bowl, he was an assistant head coach and also the running backs coach and then moved over to the tight ends coach as long with being that assistant head coach in 2022 before getting hired to the Carolina Panthers. So he does come from that Sean McVay style of offense where you could probably say this guy could put in a pretty good scheme and uh, you could work around those kind of parameters. Apparently McVay, by the way, is a guy ever since he's left uh, that Los Angeles coaching staff, McVay is somebody that has practically been <laughs> begging Thomas Brown to come back in some capacity. Um, I, I do love in general when, when on your resume, you have a couple of years of assistant head coaching under your belt. That's not something because a lot of people will get assistant head coach. And you're like, what, you know, okay, what does that mean? It really does matter. Um, and you're getting exposed to those, those, those elements of coaching specific to being a head coach that most other coaches aren't the leadership, the managing a large and, and broad staff, the managing uh, personalities in the locker room and outside of the locker room, all of those things that, that come along with being the guy when you're the assistant head coach, you're, you're assisting all of those things, right? That that's the, the head coach is leaning on you to help with those kinds of things. And so that's something that I think does matter. Um, I want to, you know, stay true to our word here and address some of the comments here. Tighten up Tony out of the gate saying that Callahan is his number one. Um, a lot of love for Callahan this week. I, I, I get it, man. Callahan. I, I like him a lot as a candidate. I think that it makes a lot of sense considering he's an offensive guy. He's got a really nice track record with the the Bengals and the things that he's done with Joe Burrow. I, the thing about him that I love the most is, and we talked about this on Tuesday, the fact that he has been a integral, integral part of, of helping that Bengals offense reinvent themselves like two or three times in a four-ish year span with Joe Burrow at the helm. He's also been a big part of helping that team still hum 
hum is maybe strong still uh still run without joe burrow in the lineup you know you get jake browning in there and they're still a very competent feisty team uh and and then you hear nothing but glowing glowing reports from him uh, about him rather from folks that covered him in the media as well as you know the head coach he worked under zach taylor i saw some really nice things said about him today from zach taylor and then t higgins very early on in the process talking about how he can't essentially can't say enough good things about uh about his coach brian callahan as alex says give me callahan and go get t higgins to make him happy uh, i'm afraid it's probably not going to be up to t higgins as he's almost certainly going to get franchise tagged from what i'm hearing but uh you know what that certainly doesn't hurt in, in terms of guys he might can bring an actual reasonable uh question mark there and something i'm sure that they're discussing in the meetings with him uh in the interviews with him hey your dad is Pretty good. Bill Callahan. I like what he's done as an offensive uh, uh, offensive coach, but in particular, an offensive line coach. Um, he's currently the offensive line coach with the Browns, also in Ohio. No idea whether or not he would follow his son to you know coach under his son uh, if he were to come to the Titans. But if you could get Bill Callahan, offensive line guru on the staff, that's, I mean, that is a nice little sweetener in that package deal. So I don't, I don't disagree with the Callahan love at all. Derek says that Bobby Sloak, Ben Johnson, or Ben or uh, Brian Callahan, and he is a happy Titans fan. Uh, I think that one of those things is realistic. One of those things is possible. And one of those things is unlikely. You can determine which one I'm talking about. Uh, Kenneth is here. Appreciate Kenneth being as he always is. Kenneth, a, a, a a lifer on the, on the hot read podcast, sending in a few questions before leaving to make family dinner. Do you think the Titans coach is among these 10 or is there a hidden candidate you'd like to see? No, I think he's absolutely among these 10. Um, there are hidden candidates. I mean, we talked about it on Tuesday. There's a couple of candidates that I wish that they would include at this point in the process. I, you know, you say hidden, maybe there are some guys that we don't know about. I'd be surprised. And if there are, I'm not sure who exactly they'd be. Um, but, in terms of adding guys to the list that aren't currently on the list, you know, I think that they're, they're moving forward and they're going to narrow it down, whittle it down with these guys. Um, Kenneth also says, what is the most important staff hire to you? If it's, if it's an offensive coach that they hire O-line coach, defensive coordinator, or something else, the most important hire to me uh, is really large. It's, it's largely dependent on who the offensive coach is. If you're hiring an offensive coach, if you, if you lucked into a Ben Johnson, for example, or a, or a Bobby Slowick is, is the guy that your team goes with. And there's somebody that's going to want to call the plays. Then that changes my mind a little bit. Then I might think, okay, maybe it's offensive line coach. Maybe it's defensive coordinator. Cause I do think that um, there's some modernization that can, that can go into this Titans off or excuse me, defensive philosophy, defensive scheme. I think that there are some things that they can do to stick with the times and be creative and um, put some sometimes insufficient players in better circumstances and better situations to succeed. Um, so that, that's a rabbit hole. I'm trying not to get, go down, obviously, but I think that there is some work that can be done there. So defensive coordinator would be a big one if your head coach is going to call plays. But if you get a Callahan or if you get a defensive coach or you get a CEO style coach who's going to be involved in everything. I think it's offensive coordinator, right? You've got a young quarterback. You've got some young pieces on offense. You're going to be adding some big pieces on offense this offseason, uh, assuming that's what they do with a lot of their money and draft picks, which they're almost certainly going to have to. You, you need you need the dude at offensive coordinator. Um, 
And I think that that is, that is easily the number one position for me. The thing I'm most, it's the thing I'm most interested in at the very least. And so we'll, we'll see that as we go down the road here. What else in the comment section today? Um, Derek saying that I want a coach that's going to move us out of the 1980s style offense into the new NFL. I think in general, that was overblown a bit with Vrabel and his tenure, but I 100% get where you're coming from. I 100% understand that there are those weird quirks, um, cliches about the Titans, but cliches are often, you know, based, you know, maybe cliche is the wrong word, but it's like, satire that is based very firmly in reality the all the jokes that people constantly make which get old but are still ring true um you know mike vrabel is going to go coach the chargers he's gonna make keenan allen sit on the bench because he can't block on special teams like that kind of thing i'm also excited to cover a team that's not doing that kind of thing that is maybe going to utilize a kyle phillips as a slot only guy because he's very good in the slot and not you know, make him inactive on game days because, well, he can't field punts and he's not going to be a gunner on special teams. So we can't utilize him. like that really started to grind my gears towards the end of the variable tenure. That kind of thing I'm about. I'm not I'm not as hardcore into the why. I hope that they really I hope they just spread it out and become a, a crazy pass heavy. Nah, I, I don't I don't mind that if that's what you're built for personnel wise. I also don't mind being a run first team. You look at a lot of the teams around the league that are finding the most success right now, the Ravens, the 49ers, the Lions, the, uh, the, the, I had another team in my head, the Rams, like these teams, their success through the air is abundant, but a lot of that success through the air is maybe set up by is too strong a term, but like it is complemented by and made, uh, maximized by the run game. Christian McCaffrey going absolutely bonkers. The Lions, phenomenal offensive line, resetting the line of scrimmage, three line, three yards downfield every time they run the ball. Jameer Gibbs and uh and uh uh help me out here. David Montgomery. David Montgomery, thank you. David Montgomery uh running the ball up there in, in Detroit. Um Kyron Williams in LA breaking out as, as a rookie behind a surprisingly good run blocking offensive line. Those are the kinds of things that are the that's the meat and potatoes. Uh, and it's a fine line to walk because there's a lot of pushback from folks in the football X's and O's community about like, well, actually folks say you got to run to establish play action. You got to run to set up the pass. That's not inherently true. I, I, I'm not saying that I, I get that. What I am saying is you can't, if you're not built for it, you can't be a, you know, a Buffalo bills team that just airs it out all the time, which even that I'm, I'm realizing is me leaning into something that's not even true. The bills, they found a lot of success down the back half of the year. Here's a crazy random stat for you, JT. You're not going to believe me, and I didn't believe it when I saw it, but I went and double-checked. It's true. You know, the Bills, rough first half of the year, shaky. That They've basically been playing playoff football for two months, and they've been I think they've lost, what, one game in the past two months or something? Um, during that time, since week, I forget what, week nine or, or something, around midpoint of the season, since the midpoint of the season, they are the most run-heavy team in the league, in the whole league. They are they are uh, passing the ball. I think off the top of my head is like fifty two point four percent of their plays are designed pass plays, uh, which is thirty second in the league for designed pass play rate. You wouldn't believe that, and you're like, but Josh Allen and but the Bills and, and you know Josh Allen hero ball, and it's Josh Allen time. But no, they're running the ball with uh, with the younger, much better uh, at this point in their career of the um, man, I'm stinking with names today. Help me out here. 
the running back in Buffalo, uh, James cook, James cook. Yes. Thank you. The better cook brother right now is up there cooking in Josh Allen. I don't know if you've noticed he can run quite a bit. So those are all things that I think matter a lot. Um, but, but that was a, a tangent to your point, Derek, like there are certain elements of that old school. I don't even know it's, if it's old school as much as it's just like stubborn meatheadedness. I don't know, JT, D- did those things start to grind your gears towards the end? Cause it, it started to really bother me. I mean, yeah, of course it is. It, it kind of like if you're in like a, a 2006, like Honda civic or something, and then you see all these <laughs> yeah. other car, all these other new Honda civics just driving by with their eco powered, like energy, right. like cars. And you're like, why are we still doing this? Like, mm-hmm. I love this car, mm-hmm. but it's time to upgrade. Like this is, this is not going to be efficient enough to get anything done anymore. And I think that's where the Titans are. And I think that's what they recognize and now are trying to, culturally shift the 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 ideologies of this of this team into kind of the future of what the NFL is which is a pass first league but also kind of keeping some of the things that are still true about this team that have always been true about this team that they do value the run game a lot well it felt like it also felt like it had gotten to the point where they were doing some of these things for the sake of doing them just out of hard-headedness and that like the excuses and the reasons they were giving were starting to fall flat like, you know, th- this idea that a certain guy can't play at this position, but then he gets a chance to play at that position. You're like, yeah, he can. Or, you know, continuing to devalue certain wide receivers. They go somewhere else and they succeed. You know, you get Josh Reynolds and it's like, why could what? Huh? Look, he look at what he can do when you let him play wide receiver. Oh, he can't block on such teams. So he's not getting on the field. Kyle Phillips. I have a, a hunch that we're going to, if he can stay healthy, see some of that. Uh, assuming they get a more offensively minded, differently minded head coach than Mike Vrabel. So. Those kind of things absolutely apply. Uh, Kyle says, why are we not looking at anybody from the Rams? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to go, I'd have to pull up think, their, yeah, their list the, of personnel right now. If the if there was only if there was a person to be looking at, it'd be the defensive coordinator of the Rams, Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris, right. Um, he, he's who, the one guy that at the top of my head, I agree a hundred percent. He should not just the Titans. Like, why is nobody looking at Raheem Morris? I think it, it it's a great question to be asked, but outside of him, of course, Sean McVay is the play caller. He's running the offense through him. Um, there really isn't another prevalent guy right now from inside that organization. I think that yeah. that really um, that really deserves a look. And then also he he Kyle also adds or the 49ers for that standpoint. Um, mostly because that team is that, very much just had all, all of their talent already. I was about to like, say that, that cupboard out. is barren. That it's cupboard is barren. barren my They're friends. starting to regrow some of that, like develop new young play callers and talent within that organization after D'Amico Ryans and Rand Carthen and all these people have exited Bobby Slowick Mike also. Daniel. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty dry over there, but they're still Kyle Shanahan somehow is still able to just give it one cycle. There'll be some names um, again. And then it's just not, the yeah, show. it's going to be right back into it. But I mean, the closest thing right now for them, right. Would be Bobby Slowick, who is very close to that tree and has those 49ers connections. Alex Titan says from Amy's interview, it seems like surrounding staff is a big selling point for the head coach coming in as it should be. Any idea which of the candidates is the most connected? And no, not Dan Quinn. Okay, I'll take Dan Quinn out of my uh, options here. The most connected, Brian Callahan is the name that pops to the top of the list for the reasons we talked about on Tuesday. He's a football lifer. His, you know, his dad is, was coaching when he was born. Um, he's been a, in and around football for, I don't know how, how old is Brian Callahan. He's in his 40s, I'm sure, in 40 some odd years. So 
I'm sure he is the most connected guy or, or, you know, are, you know, nobody is more connected than he is because I don't think you possibly can be. Brian Callahan is um, actually on oh, 39. So he's not 39. Okay. So younger than I thought, younger than I thought of these mid forties. Um, but still my, I think my point remains. Um, I mean, you say not Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn's pretty daggum connected, so I'll take him out. But if in terms of just connection criteria, that applies. I mean, even with outside the connection of personnel, just the quarterbacks that he's also worked with, he has seen everything under the sun here from working with Peyton Manning to Matt Stafford to Joe Burrow and all of these guys, you would think that having a guy like that to come in and have Will Levis as your quarterback and develop him would be a very good thing. So not just in the personnel, but the players that he's also coached with and around, like it's, it's a pretty long list and he he's probably up there at the top. Yeah. I think Aaron Glenn is also pretty connected. He, he is an older guy. He's been around for a long time. Um, I, from what I've heard from folks that know him and his situation better, he's a pretty connected guy. Um, there are a handful of guys who they're, you know, how connected they are is concerning to me. Uh, and we talked about that, like Bobby Slug. I'm not sure how connected he is. He's not, you know, it's just, he's not done a, a ton of time. Um, Antonio Pierce is the number one guy who just like, he wasn't coaching at the pro level until 10 seconds ago, essentially. Um, and he wasn't coaching at any level really until like the late 2010s, I think. Like, so it's, it's not been a super long time for him. He, you know, he was a grad assistant or something in 2017 off the top of my head. So those are the guys that I, I, I question their connectedness. Um, what else do we have in the comments here? Sarah says, why doesn't Slowick or Johnson not wanting to do uh, wh- why I'm assuming this means why are Slowick and Johnson not wanting to do interviews with us? I don't know if that's true. Both of those guys are still coaching in the playoffs. Um, and that raises a larger point of, I hate that this is the way that things work. Like Ben Johnson is coaching. What is the most, the single most important game in Detroit lions franchise history in at least three decades this weekend. And he's got four interviews lined up in the next two days. That shouldn't that shouldn't be happening. Like that that should not be happening. I think the rules there are already rules in place dictating who can interview when, where, and why. They should be. I, I need somebody to explain to me like I'm five why the rule isn't. The hiring process is frozen until X date, and if you're coaching in the playoffs, you are not eligible for interview until you're not coaching in the playoffs. Like that seems really simple to me is, am I missing something here? I mean, if that were the case, of course, the, the, if there are a lot of good candidates, which there usually are, because if you have good candidates, it means your team's doing pretty good in the season. It goes into late January and right, right then we're already to the senior bowl and we're already to where these guys need to get their staffs together (laughs) and need need to build their personnel and their scouting department. So I, I get what you're saying, but also it just, it, it's unfair, right? It, it it really is unfair, and we don't know either either way if Bobby Slowick is is not taking this interview for a personal reason or just because like it, it depends on what he. You don't have time to day right now, yeah. right? And so it's unfair for I think both him and then also the league to put this on them. Yep. Um, okay, a couple more comments here. Kind of saying, is there a mistake? Uh, I'm trying to read this very small print here. Is there a mistake of a new coach? ran or amy so is there a mistake a new coach ran carthen or amy adam strunk could make at their intro press conference we know the last one was a disaster uh oh you mean the the ran carthen firing yeah uh like not establishing the hierarchy of power again yep yeah i mean do you want that list alphabetically or or in order of importance like there's a million mistakes that they could make um the, the the number one mistake if you're piggybacking off of the things that didn't go great on the last press conference, the Titans organization held 
would be not not following through on the promises they made, like Amy Adams Strunk making promises that there is going to come a time once we've hired the head coach where I'm going to explain the hierarchy of power. Rand Carthon saying now is not the time for us to share the vision that we have 100% have already established for this team. We know what we want in the future. Just don't ask us about it right now because now is not the time because now is not the time for me to tell you about the vision, which is not, it's not the time for that vision. Um, okay, cool. You don't need to tell us that when you hire a new coach. If, if it's still not the time, then it's like, what are, we, what are we talking about here? What are we doing here? Those are the number one things. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Roshan saying uh, no strong feelings that Sloak is the guy, but I badly need people to stop latching on to his run run pass rate. The Texans also threw the ball on first down at the highest rate in the NFL. I can't, I can't confirm whether or not that second part is true or not. I'm not saying you're a liar. I just, I have no idea. I'm gonna have to go check. Um, Roshan, I, I'll push back on that a little bit. Um, the run run, you can't overlook the run run pass rate when he was in fact run run passing at a super high rate. And I, the reason why I'm pushing back on that stat, like I'm happy to be proven wrong, but JT, my create, I, I feel like we've been talking about how their first down run rate was pretty high this year, which it can't be high and also then be the number one highest rated passing on first down. Like I don't think I'm not, I'm not sure that's true. Yeah. I mean, either way, they it's been, it's not up for debate that Bobby Slowick has like established a lot of things that CJ Stroud has done well through the run and kind of this, um, this reincarnation of a Devin Singletary, like actually being a good running back season, which I will give him credit, even if that is not his credit, like having Devin Singletary return to like a, a top 10 level good. caliber running back <laughs> this, this year is, is a feat on its own. But yeah, I mean, this team has been run heavy and that has been their MO for a lot of the season. So I'm not sure on that one either. Um, But I mean, just in general, I, it's funny that Roshan says no strong feelings about Slowick, but it, see, I don't know. That seems to imply you have some strong feelings, which is fine if you like Slowick. I just, I don't know, Roshan. We uh, full disclosure, we have heard some things that I don't feel super comfortable sharing because I like it's not sourced. Uh, responsibly is the wrong word, but like super strongly. So I don't want to just like throw things out there that I heard from a guy from a guy. But I have heard things that are alarming about people in the Texans organization not necessarily being sure if Bobby Sloak is ready, not saying that he can't ever be ready, but just wondering if it's a little early. Um, so, you know, some people that are, would be inclined to hype him up and say, go get your job are, are thinking that. And then there are some things about, you know, certain players of his maybe, or maybe not being vocal about whether or not they think he deserves all the credit he's getting. That's, that's all I'm going to say, um, which is probably too much, but uh, like, there, I have heard some things that are concerning to me about Bobby Slowick on top of the things that we know in general are somewhat concerning about Bobby Slowick um, as a as a potential head coach. And so I just I'm not I'm not personally huge on Slowick. Um, I'm I'm kind of meh on him. I'd be willing to have my mind change. But based on the resume, uh, I don't know, JT, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, before before a lot of the candidates came out for me, I think Bobby Slowick, it was kind of that that effect that we talk about about he had one good game or like look at this just on the paper on a paper like he is the number one target and so on but as we both I think have dived a little deeper there are some questions to be raised about him obviously this is his first year as an offensive coordinator and before that he was with San Francisco um, not in as big of a role that he is now so 
obviously he could be a very, very impressive play caller and, and a guy who was able to scheme really well. But I think at the end of the day, he's missing a lot of those intangibles that we talk about with a lot of these other candidates that he just right. doesn't have. And I think that leads to maybe this, this kind of notion that he isn't ready for a head coaching role. Right. Um, okay. We appreciate your comments and it's, it's nice to have kind of a refreshing day of just talking to you guys. So appreciate those of you that have been in here with us live and giving us your thoughts and comments, uh, two more news things that I want to mention today, and then we'll get into the best bet, best bet gauntlet. And then we'll get out of here. Um, we had it announced yesterday by the senior bowl where JT and I will be, by, by the way, officially we'll be at the senior bowl this year. We'll be at the combine this year. We're doing it all super stoked about that. Um, so we'll have a ton of live coverage there and I, I, we're planning on linking up with our buddies, Zach and Stoney, who are going to be there as well. And we'll probably do a, a good bit of joint content. So look forward to that. But at the senior bowl, one of the head coaches of, I forget if it's the national team or the one of the two teams, I believe American, the American team. Okay. We'll run with American, the head coach of the American team is going to be the Tennessee Titans. Oh, well, I guess technically currently, but soon to be formerly uh, assistant head coach and defensive line coach Terrell Williams. Coach T, getting the head coach nod at the Senior Bowl. You're going to remember him from being the uh, the acting head coach during the preseason this year. There was a big deal about Mike Vrabel giving him that opportunity, and um, Vrabel clearly sees him as a guy that could be a future head coach candidate in the league. Um, but the statement from coach Williams was, uh, quote, I'm super excited about the opportunity to coach in the 2024 senior bowl. It's a great opportunity to help these college players get some exposure into what professional football is all about. I'm very thankful to Mike Vrabel for nominating me for this honor. I'm looking forward to working with coaches and other senior bowl personnel to make sure this is a great experience for players. And JT, Mike Vrabel had something to say. Uh, he, he gave out a, a press release along these lines as well. Yeah, and so in his statement from the uh, from the Senior Bowl here on Terrell Williams, he said, there's no more deserving person to be a head coach for the Senior Bowl or any level than Terrell Williams. His loyalty, dedication, and service to the Titans program for the last six years has not gone unnoticed. Terrell is a creative teacher and developer who always makes a unique connection with his players and those on the other side of the ball. I can't thank him enough for the impact that he has made on me personally, as well as with our team. I'm excited to watch him excel as a head coach in the senior bowl. And I think it's a really nice nod to the, to someone who like, like we said, he must have a great impact on the personnel, both players and other coaches around him to get not only the preseason nod, which is something kind of unprecedented that we didn't see before Mike Vrabel really implemented, implemented it this season, as well as, um, getting the nod here. So even if Mike Vrabel thinks that he's a good coach, obviously he's getting some recognition on the national level as well. Yeah. I'm stoked for coach. She to get the nod. I'm stoked to get to talk to him about it when we're down there. Um, very cool. Speaking of Mike Vrabel, by the way, some folks were dancing on his grave the past couple of days, even this morning, Mike Vrabel, how could, how could you fire a guy? That's going to get so many interviews. Look around. He's not getting any interviews. And then 10 seconds later, it was announced that Mike Vrabel is in L.A. today, or I guess was in L.A. perhaps, to interview for the Chargers head coach, uh, per sources. It's the first known interview for Vrabel. It was also reported along with this uh, news that there is interest from the Falcons and uh, Seahawks. Seahawks, Falcons and Seahawks to uh, be interviewing Mike Vrabel for their head coach openings in the future. So um, I'm excited. I, listen, I, I personally would like Vrabel to get another job this year. I'd like to see him in a different organization so that we can um, see how similar or dissimilar it looks to the way that he ran things in Tennessee. 
I think he's a good coach. I think he's one of the 32 best coaches in the league, uh, in the world. I think that he should be a head coach somewhere. Um, and I think, I think it's just good for the NFL. Like he's a personality. He is a, he's a character in the NFL story that shouldn't like, I I don't want to see it written off. I don't want to see it fade into the background. I still want main character, Mike Vrabel, because it's awesome. It makes for great content and it makes for a lot of, um, entertainment, like for me personally. So I hope he gets a job. I'm not sure he's going to this year, but I think eventually he'll coach again. Yeah, I think I'm with you either. If it is in this season with the, with an NFL team, maybe even down the road with a with a college team, it is something that is nice to see. And um, I think personally, I think with the Chargers, it'd be a really nice fit. We always talk about how Vrabel does more with less, and currently this this Chargers team does have less. So it'd be really interesting to see him with Justin Herbert and trying to make. Uh, f- Using your term, chicken salad out of chicken, you know what? There bingo. you go. Bing, the bingo, one. bingo. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it'd be really nice for him to either get a, a job with the Chargers or maybe even Seattle. I think those are two good landing spots. All right, let's move on to the best bet gauntlet. As Alex Titan says, I'm ready for the Titans to finish up their head coaching search because it's mock draft season, baby. He can't wait to see Easton's mock V13. I, I'll be honest. I'm the like, I want, I, I don't like this time of year when we're doing this. Like I want to get to the off season stuff. I want to talk free agency. I want to talk draft and we're getting really close to that. So I'm just, I'm biding my time. Uh, I'm excited for that. Uh, let's do the best bet gauntlet. Let's talk about last week real quick. Tough scene for your boy. One and four on the week. Um, a couple of those were bad reads. A couple of them were really bad beats. I feel like I had the wrong read on. I, I took the dolphins spread. I, I just underestimated the the ability not the ability but i guess the disability they would have in the and that weather the impact that that weather would have on them because they looked like a team that wanted to get inside and warm like halfway through the game they just like it, they weren't fighting it, it stunk and their their quarterback in particular stunk in in those conditions and so i i guess i just i i wish we could see that game in more normal weather because i think it would have uh been different uh, I think the Travis Kelsey read was right because he was dropping everything and very bad for a long time. And then he had a couple the, the, the Dolphins defense screwed me by just not tackling him a couple of times. And he had a, two or three massive breakoff runs. And so um, I don't know. One and four sucks. But luckily, JT, you went four and one. And so we go five and five on the week. Um, and so we you know what? We move. We ball. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, our record's still 117, 84, and 7 on the entirety of the year. So that's still very, very good. Very good. Um, but, Can't you know, th- last week is last week. We're on to this week. Out, last out week window, is last week. You know? This week is this week. We're going 10-0 this week. Um, I, of course, do have the first pick this week because of how bad I did last week. So with my first pick of the divisional round best bet gauntlet, give me the Motor City Kitties. I'm taking Detroit minus 6 at home against Tampa Bay. I think that this is a very tasty number, well under that seven, getting on that six, which is a sneaky key number these days. Lock that in on Twitter earlier this week. So hopefully you saw us lock that one in. I'm not sure. I don't think you can get that number anymore. I think you can still get a it's, six and a half. I think out it's, there, it's a couple six and a half. Six and a half and seven right now. Yeah, mostly sevens left. Um, I like it under the seven. I just I think that we're going to um I think I think that we're going <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing at something in the comments here. I think that we're going to see a snap back to reality situation for the Bucks after they beat up on a Eagles team that was practically begging to be murdered, begging to be put out of their misery. The Lions are the opposite. You're getting indoor golf in what is like closest to a college football atmosphere and, uh, you know, impact 
for a, a home field advantage. And I just think this Detroit's kind of a team of destiny right now. I think that they win this game pretty handily. Um, I think that they're going to score a bunch of points on this Buccaneers defense. My only concern is the Buccaneers. You know, we saw the Buccaneers just zero, zero rush these guys over and over and over uh, the Eagles in week one. They're going to try their best to get their pressures on the lines because you got to pressure Jared Goff to beat Jared Goff. I just don't know if they're going to be able to against a very good Detroit offensive line. And I, I think that Detroit wins this game by a touchdown. So give me Detroit minus six at home against Tampa Bay. Yeah. With my first pick here and another one that we locked in, but this one surprisingly has not moved any other way. It started the week uh, at double digits, but now is underneath it. And um, I'm going to take Sam Fran minus nine and a half against green Bay. I think this is a pretty easy one for me personally this week. Um, loved Green Bay last week against that Dallas team, but now they have to go out to San Francisco and play this team that's on extended rest. Kyle Shanahan's going to have this team ready, and when you play San Fran at home in the playoffs, it usually expect a blowout, and I think that's what we're going to see here. Um, I, I just don't How about see that any Joe way. Barry defense going <laughs> to. I don't see have any a way time against San Fran that, that Kyle Shanahan and, and this 49ers team can struggle against a Joe Barry team that. Look, I mean, they played some impressive defense last week, but I think a lot of it is on the shoulders of Dak simply not showing up. Um, and, and if that's the case, I really do think this San Francisco team may have an easy walk into the NFC Championship this week. So I'm going to take San Francisco with the nine and a half points. Yeah, I'm with you on that bet 100%. With my second pick of the divisional round, best bet gauntlet, I'm taking Buffalo minus two and a half at home against Kansas City. I just think Buffalo is the better team. I think that Kansas City, you know, they they looked better last week than they actually are against a team that was not having it in those conditions and was on the downtrend and had a ton. They came into that game, the Dolphins did, with a ton of defic- uh, defensive deficiencies in terms of personnel. A lot of key guys hurt. I, You know, you got the same situation with Buffalo, but the difference is the Dolphins' defense was getting worse by missing guys. The Bills' defense is having guys step up over and over. Maybe this is where it finally you know, the dam breaks, but so far, so good. They've been missing a lot of key guys on defense for a couple months at this point, and the defense has been rallying nonetheless. They're going to be at home. Josh Allen, I, I see the way that the Bills lose this game being the Bills beating themselves and not the Chiefs beating them. I think that the Patrick Mahomes uh, carry job in terms of their passing game and just their offense in general hits a, a wall here and some things there get exposed, and he's not able to be the superhero that he's going to try to be. And so I just think that the bills are the better team here. And if you're giving me under the field goal, I think they win by a field goal. So give me the bills minus two and a half uh, at home against Kansas city. Yeah. I like that pick for me personally. I'm with you on this one this week because I think it's a stand on business bet with my heart pick that I, I want the bills in the AFC championship this week. They're getting Rasul Douglas back as well. And I think any yep. trends that you want to tail Patrick Mahomes with kind of go out the window as this is Patrick Mahomes first ever playoff game on the road. I think it's going to be a rude awakening for this chiefs team. So I'm with you on that one for my second pick here, going back to that San Francisco green Bay game. And I'm taking the over of 50 and a half kind of the same thing, uh, same process that, that I just said with, with taking this San Francisco spread as well. This is a team that when at home loves to beat down on their opponents. And I think they're playing an opponent in green Bay with Jordan love who has the hot hand right now. So I think they're going to still be able to score some points, but this San Francisco team is just too good right now. They're too 
efficient on offense. Um, so I'm taking over 50 and a half in what I think should be a game where San Francisco gets over 30 points. Yeah, I could see this game being in the six, upper 60s, lower 70s total. I think you could have a, a proper track meet in this one. And so I, I'm with you. I'm, that was one of the first picks you stole from me this year that I was viscerally upset by. I wanted that number badly. So I'll be betting it myself. My third pick of the divisional round best bet gauntlet. I'm taking a prop. Give me Chris Godwin over 22 and a half yards longest reception. I think his longest reception is going to be north of 22 and a half yards for two big reasons. Number one, last week, I, I was surprised when I heard this statistic, but it's true. Baker Mayfield, one third of his throws last week against the Eagles were 20 plus yards downfield. They were airing it out. Now, he wasn't connecting very well. Um, it was masked by the fact that the Phillies defense was awful, so they were moving the ball anyways. But on those deep throws, they weren't um, they weren't connecting very well. And I think that's going to change this week. I think that you're going to see it with Chris Godwin, who is a big deep threat for them, a big yak threat for them as well. Uh, he has gone over this number for long receptions uh, more times this year than he has not. And the second big reason is the guy that I think is going to be having to defend Chris Godwin this week is Kendall Vildor, a guy that I just think is one of the worst cornerbacks in the league. Another stat that I found on Kendall Vildor, he is allowing 22.8 yards per reception on average. For every reception he's allowing as a cornerback, they are averaging 22.8 yards. So that right there, that is north of the number that I need. Um, I think that you're going to see this for Chris Godwin um, pretty early in the game, whether it's a running catch or it's a big ball over the top that connects. I like this number a lot. Give me Chris Godwin over 22 and a half longest run or longest reception rather. Kendall Vildor. Titans legend. Titans I like legend, that one right there. How far we've gone that Kendall Vildor is going to be playing in a divisional game when he was in training camp this very this, meaningful this stats. season. Yes. Yeah. Um, with my next pick here, I'm taking Houston plus nine and a half against Baltimore. And while I do think Baltimore is going to win this game, this is a pure trend play for me. And just looking at Lamar Jackson and what he does in the playoffs. Um, currently, th these are Lamar Jackson stats as follows. He's one and three straight up and against the spread in the playoffs. Um, mm. As a home favorite, he is 28 and 10 straight up career just at home and then 15 and 23 against the spread. But this is the big one for me. This is a team that had the bye. And when Lamar Jackson is coming off or had, had the bye, but when he's coming off a, a into a game where he had 12 or more days of rest, he's one and six against the spread. I expect the Ravens to win this game. However, I'm definitely calling in a CJ Stroud backdoor cover as they Big scrap, and, yep. uh, scrap and claw trying to get back into this game. So I'm going to take Houston with all those points. Well, and just in general, it's a low total game, big spread. Typically taking the, the dog in those points is a, a good bet. So I, I can't, I can't really complain with you on that one with my fourth pick of the divisional round best bet gauntlet. Taking Josh Allen over 43 and a half rushing yards. Very simple handicap on this one. The last two playoff games he's played last week, an actual playoff game the week before a de facto playoff game with the, the dolphins. He has cleared this number very handily. And I went and looked at the splits for him in the playoffs. Josh Allen does often in the playoffs say it's Josh Allen time and put on his Josh Allen superhero cape and put his body on the line to try to do anything he can to win the game. 
he's averaging in his career in nine playoff game appearances, 54.5 rushing yards per game um, over uh, that's 11 yards over his rushing expectation in this one. I think over 43 and a half is a very sound bet. I went back and forth on whether or not I wanted to bet the Mahomes over or the Allen over. I kind of like both, but I like the Allen one a little bit more. It's going to be Josh Allen over 43 and a half rush yards. Yeah, with my next pick here, I'm going to finally take one of my props here, and I'm going to go Amon Ra St. Brown over 91 and a half yards receiving. Big number. number. It's a big number, but here's why I think this one has has a really really good chance to hit here. They're playing the Buccaneers, who are allowing 36 pass attempts per game. Um, That's the sixth most. They're also allowing 179 wide receiver yards uh, per game, which is fourth most. And uh, teams are passing against them at the ninth highest rate in um, neutral situations. So I think Amon Ross St. Brown in this game, he is the de facto one. He is going to get fed the ball a lot this week against a a Buccaneers team who kind of just let Devonta Smith just have whatever he wanted last week. Mm -hmm. I think the same is going to happen this week. And Amon Ross St. Brown has quietly put together a really impressive season. He's gone over this number eight out of nine games this season at home. I think it's pretty surefire bet for me that he's going to have another big day. So I'm going to take the over on his receiving yards. With my fifth and final, Best bet gauntlet divisional round pick. I'm taking Devin Singletary under 16 and a half receiving yards. Very simple handicap on this one as well. Noah Brown, receiver for the Texans, went to IR this week. That has inflated the market on the Singletary receiving yards. Also, the weather playing a factor of people thinking cold weather, windy, going to be dumping it off a lot. I just don't see it. I think it's too big a number, so I'm taking the under here. You go and you look at the number of times Singletary this year has uh, bested this number in 17, well, I guess now 18 games, including the playoffs. He has been north of 16 and a half receiving yards three times in those 18 games. And so I I just don't think that's going to happen. It's not like Noah Brown was playing a ton of meaningful snaps in last week's game anyways. And he was well under the number. I think he had like three total receiving yards last year or last week on one or two receptions. And I think it's going to be a lot of the same in this one. So give me Devin Singletary under 16 and a half receiving yards. Yeah, and with my final pick here, going back to that Baltimore-Houston game, I'm going to take the under 43.5 points total in this game here. Um, This one also... Just a lot of trends in this one. Lamar Jackson in playoff games also is 4-0 and to the under. So when he plays in these games, he's not the Lamar Jackson that we see a lot from the regular season. It's also a low total game with a high spread here, which means I think that this is a game where uh, what either one of these teams take care of business or it's a defensive bout uh, to the end here. I think when you factor in the weather this weekend as well, this is a game that I could see end 20-13 to and the Ravens kind of get 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 away with one here as they take care of business and move on to what's really going to matter which is next week's game for them so i'm going to take the under 43 and a half all right so that's our week uh not it's muscle memory it's not a week it's a divisional 20. round it's our week divisional 20. round it's our week 20 right yeah it's our week 20 best bet gauntlet divisional round best bet gauntlet in review jt is taking a couple of sides San Fran minus nine and a half at home against Green Bay and Houston plus nine and a half on the road at Baltimore. Two big, big numbers. His uh, total is Baltimore at Houston over he's in the under 43 and a half under 43 and a half at Baltimore at Houston. And then a couple of props. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown over 91 and a half. I'm so dumb. I, I read these out of order. 
We're going to pretend I didn't just say these things. Let's start over because that's uh, I just said that in the most confusing possible way. Okay, <laughs> cut don't cut this. Post. Don't no, don't cut this. Don't cut okay. this. This deserves to be aired. Here we go. Sides, San Fran minus nine and a half at home against Green Bay. Houston plus nine and a half at Baltimore. Two totals under 43 and a half in Baltimore at Houston and over 50 and a half in San Fran at home against Green Bay. And then a prop, Amon Ross St. Brown over 91 and a half. There we go. Good job, Easton. Easton's bets this week. Two sides, Detroit minus six at home against Tampa Bay and Buffalo minus two and a half at home against Kansas City. And then three props, Chris Godwin over 22 and a half longest reception, Josh Allen over 43 and a half rushing yards and Devin Singletary under 16 and a half receiving yards. All right. That is our best bet gauntlet for the divisional round. And that is our show. Appreciate everybody tuning in with us today. Uh, having a conversation with us about the Titans coaching search. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the divisional round of the playoffs. Hey, check out Boomboss Craft Pizza and Tap House, our wonderful and amazing sponsor who will be live. We will be live back at in Spring Hill next Thursday, as long as the weather does not go crazy again. Looking forward to that. It's a phenomenal place. Three locations in Middle Tennessee, East Nashville, uh, Murfreesboro, and Spring Hill, which is our home location where we do our Thursday shows live. Check them out, whichever one is nearest you. I promise you won't regret it. Make sure you're subscribed to us on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Follow us on social media at Hot Read Pod on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. For producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Fries. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you again next week.